the face of constant change and disruption, we find ourselves in a world that is uncertain, incomprehensible, nonlinear, complex, brittle, and ambiguous. Welcome to Emerging Europe Talks, a podcast series dedicated to uncovering solutions that will empower Central and Eastern Europe and Central Asia. My goal? To foster resilience, strength, adaptability, prosperity, and growth in that exciting part of the world. I am Andrew Robel, your guide on this thrilling journey. Join me and let's turn disruption into opportunity and see how some of us are already doing it. Now, I have noticed that 78% of the podcast listeners have not yet hit the follow button. I would like to ask you a favor. If you enjoy the talks, please consider following the series. By doing so, you will not only help me expand the reach, but also gain access to even more inspiring guests and valuable content. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our podcast community. So today, I am joined by Natalia Andrejczuk, who is one of the founders and the CEO of a company called V7. It's a pharma tech agency that provides digital transformation products and services. Natalia, it's so good to have you with us today. Hello, Andrew. It's so great to be here today. And actually, thanks for paying interest in what we are doing at V7. As we have been talking together uh, nearly a year ago, so it is not our first meeting. And I'm happy to be here again and talk again about our story. Fantastic. So let's actually dive in and tell me more about the company. So what do you actually do? What kind of services do you provide? That's a very good question. <laughs> Vizevan is a MarTech provider. So we are all about storytelling, about content. So we are digital content agency, digital content factory for pharmaceutical clients. So we are able to provide the execution of digital content, digital narratives. Also, we are able to create a content strategy, end-to-end -end marketing services, omni-channel campaigns, build up the whole architecture and IT infrastructure for marketing content in pharma will be executed. So when did you start? That's part of my uh, second question. And what has been your biggest success so far? You told it's recording without a video. You can see 14 years birthday. So it's almost 15 already. So I have been here for two decades already, for 20 years. And uh, our company, Vizevan, is almost 15 years old. And from the very first day, we were working with the content, with applications, which are digitalizing our experience in conversation. So you remember those days when even talking to the doctor, pharmaceutical representative was arriving with a pile of papers and there was no iPad by that time. So, and the conversation was 
flowing around those papers and around the topics and it was like human to human now with the digital era so we do have this second golden age of martech where we have all communication so digitalized so and personalized and will be even more with the boost of artificial intelligence and conversational ai so where we will have such a personalized approach to every message. So we are heading over there. So we are from that stories with the papers to the iPad and now to the conversational AI plus iPad plus papers plus human. So we are trying to consolidate all channels of the communication from the most empathetic, which are human to human, to the most digital, where like patient or doctor or payer or insurance company prefer to see the information either in social media or it is an email, a very good old channel email, or it is a website, or there will be interactive presentation available through a couple of links. So whenever it happens, we are there to engage and to create special customer experience. Because after all, we can see how many products appeared in that stack, in the technology stack throughout the last 10 years. So, And each year we have more or less plus 2,000 new agencies added to this exact space. So what would really differentiate us in the matter of couple of next years, it will be customer experience. It will be all around the customer. So personalization is very connected to customer experience and all the rest, like channeling, like the right channel, the right timing, the right message, all of this about experience. So Visavan combines both. We have platform, a product, Evisa. We have a service, Digital Content Factory, plus we have a number of tools, strategic like content strategy, consulting, we have uh, modular content. So we have every type of the service which allows our customer from the initial maturity level in digital arrive to the higher experience in digital. So how do you sell these services and these products? I would say we are lucky enough to grow and evolve while the industry was evolving. So a couple of years ago, we can see like, yes, everyone is talking about no blockbuster products, no brand-centric, but customer-centric approach beyond the peel. But what are the tools? How to get over there? Thankfully, our customers already know what they need to do, so what tools they need to have, so how to get there, and what uh, makes us different from the other vendors and the competition there fair, it's how you're about to bring your customer there. So what type of services you're able to propose to the client, because the problems could be very different, like there might be problem, there is a huge difference in communication from global perspective and from local perspective. And it causes a lot of um, leakage in um, financial resources, first of all, and then in the meaning 
brand and the brand identity in the end. So starting to fix that, building proper global to local communication, we touch all the touch points from the content strategy to the tooling and to the ecosystem of uh, services and then automation of the content building machine. So the other customer already knows that the leakage is in how they are building on their land million of agencies and there are no one design system and there is no central uh, digital content factory to provide the governance around those rules. So then this is the angle where we can come into the scene and, you know, set up the content strategy and to provide the right governance and the right tooling. And we are open to work as with our tools or with the competition. So that makes us unique because we do not have only our platform. We have also very robust and advanced services, which we know when the economies around the world are in stagnation. So we know that everyone is trying to cut, first of all, what is like, unfortunately, the easiest to cut as like people, us, so easiest thing, right? So that's being a service plus a product provider is a unique positioning, is a very tough work and a big achievement. So we're going to talk about that achievement, but what made you actually start this company? Because, you know, you've been around for 15 years. Where was your motivation to to start the company? Where did it come from? <laughs> that was always somewhere in me. So that uh, working in different times for different companies, I was thinking that I can do actually more. So there is something about the services, how we service our clients, how we um, sometimes quitting from the projects. It made me sad that it could be better that if we know this very old book for salespeople, customers for life. So this is about us. So we are really thinking about our customers as like a very close relationship is nearly a marriage. So we want to bring them value at any scenario. So, and if we can't do so, that make us so sad that we are still digging deep. So to make sure we understand where it happened, if there was anything in this relationship which could be done post-mortem so we can really, you know, bring them up. But thankfully, it's not happening too often as we have the attrition rate among our customers more than 97% of today. So we are all of our customers who started with us work that number years ago, like almost 15. They are most of them are still with us. So and we're happy about that. And that is more the achievement. So how it started. So I always wanted to build something special. I always had to believe that there is a better way to bring value in IT and IT, a very customer-centric business. And you can understand like 15 years ago, IT wasn't anything like that. So <laughs> the engineers were so introverted. They were not talking to anyone. So it almost was a language which needs to be translated verbally. So that was very different than today. And uh, hopefully it will be even more different from tomorrow. But that was my ambition personally, to do something better, to make sure that it is a customer service, centric service. The IT can be customer centric. 
So I mentioned this question earlier, but I want to ask you on a personal note, what has been your biggest success? What would you consider, which event, what kind of circumstances would you consider your biggest success? I don't know if I will surprise you. I think I have, I'm gaining this success every day. This is my people trust. Like when I see that I am trusted by my people and by our customers, this is how I treat the success. So it is not the amount of revenue or it is not some kind of, I don't know, ranking in in some hypothetical, you know, uh, competition <laughs> ranking tables. So it is not. It is when I see that my ideas actually trusted by such brilliant, knowledgeable people that makes me really proud. I think that is something, that is something everyone wants to achieve. Because beyond the things which we can measure, there are the things which are not measurable. And these things are sitting somewhere deep inside us. And we very rarely tell to someone that my best and biggest success was this particular person taking my idea for granted and then succeeded. And then you can feel as a part of this success, but then the biggest success and this person trusted you as much as to invest the time, the effort, the talent and to achieve. This is just, I don't know, it's daily business now. I'm really happy person because in my daily routine life, I have this couple of times a day, I have these tweaks with the momentums of trust. So which makes sure like this business still a big fun and a big enjoyment. <laughs> so at least from my side. <laughs> That's great. That's great to hear that. It seems to me that you're touching on some qualities of a leader here. And I would like to ask you what leadership means to you personally. I wouldn't be very original maybe here because always I trust this leadership by example. So if you can lead, you need to show this as an example. So maybe not literally because no one can do everything, right? But um, emotionally, empathetically, anyhow you can show that you are this person who are not just telling others what to do, but you yourself truly believe in what you are saying. And at any scenario, you are ready like today, any minute to go into that scenario. So this is how the leader must be positioned in my eyes. And maybe this is a very simple description, but I don't know, I can't find the better one. And uh, I was asked this question many times. So how I can describe the true leadership? This is really to believe in what you are preaching. And this is really readiness on your own side to jump within this idea. And if you don't believe it, someone else tells you to do so. As a leader, you must find every excuse to not do that. So maybe you can ask how I was younger, how I was coping with that. You know, I would say it was it, it was it was not very easy because 
very often you have somebody else's uh, ideas, like uh, you have investors, you have a lot of committees which are beyond your power as CEO. So you you really have a lot of people who can really undermine sometimes your opinion and make sure so you follow somebody's lead, which is not bad. But you, if you are not okay with that, you don't do that. This is my main principle. And if I would advise something to me younger, right, when I was younger, I would advise always to listen to this principle and to intuition and do not do anything which you doubt, even in idiot. So if you doubt this idea, fight for your doubt. Fight until if the doubt dies or the idea dies. One should die, either the doubt or the idea. That's the principle. And um, I wasn't always successful as the younger leader in this principle. So (laughs) with the time, I started to do like, you know, better effort. If I have a doubt, so I'm digging deep, really deep to figure out if this is a false doubt, if this is something I just need to figure out, a piece of information. I can't find the missing puzzle. I can't see the whole picture. I do not see in the way the person seeing is seeing that. So I need to figure out what is it, but never go like blindly within this idea. As the catastrophe would be quite bigger and the mess, you can't believe you will take all your time. <laughs> Who do you think is an entrepreneur? What defines an entrepreneur? A real decision maker. This is a person who has everything, like this uh, braveness, determination, and really a character to make a decision. So because as entrepreneur, you, you are making tons of decisions every day. Yeah. And you need to figure out how make so that you make these decisions, but you are not burned out because you are doing such powerful and so much important job and everyone is dependent actually on your decisions like with the small organization with the medium size with the big organization you must be not burnt out you must enjoy the process and for this inside inside your own self you must be a mature decision maker of course, you need to allow others to make the decisions, but they need to be as trusted as your own. So your decision makers, you're even not showing that you are leading other people to make decisions, but you are still thinking to be aligned with them. I figured out that in very interesting way with my daughter, we're talking one day about skills, capabilities, and uh, I said, I don't know, like, if you ask me about uh, my best capability, what I can do the best, I really need to think there are so many things. I can't figure out if I'm doing that perfect enough to say that this is my best capability. And my daughter told me, your best capability is a decision-making. You're making decisions like, like that. You're never... I think you're never thinking, but in fact, afterwards, I realized that you think so fast, that you so trust your decisions, that you never doubt in them. And this is like, this is burnt a lamp in my head. 
But this is really, it is, it is how it is. Entrepreneurship is functioning inside of me, right? So I'm making tons of decisions every day. And there sometimes uh, very crucial decisions, but I'm enjoying the process. I'm thinking, but it doesn't really affect me a lot. I'm not overtired. I'm really active, enjoying it. I'm prepared to deal with any circumstances of my decisions. This is the next important thing. You trust yourself because if something goes south, you're on, even if you have a team, you need to be prepared to be on your own because you must be responsible all the time. Do you think that quick decision-making process is based on intuition or experience? Where does that come from? In the past, I really frequently used this word intuition. Now it's like business acumen, <laughs> how it's called right now. <laughs> yes, but I think it can be intuition in the beginning of the journey. But within the years, it is a skill. It is a skill to see gaps, to see risks, to see like, yes, and the intuition which comes with knowledge and experience, it is what it takes so to make decision fast enough. So when you think about a business or setting up a business, there's quite a few different things that are really necessary. For example, your own knowledge, the skills, the network that you have sometimes, the resources that you have, the team, the reputation. You've already mentioned the team to some extent. So I understand that this is an important element to you. But other than the team, what else is really critical for you? You need to be an expert, an expert in what you are doing. If you don't understand deeply enough every aspect of your future business don't start it you need to be an expert as well so like if you start the business so you need to be like about the seven because i haven't started any bigger business so far the seven is the biggest <laughs> well that's quite uh, so, big enough yeah. <laughs> i would say <laughs> oh, thanks so if you start a business so you need to start from the thing you are really confident about. When we started this event, it was one thing which we were really confident and top-notch of technology and process and everything. It's how to arrive from paper and human-to-human -human communication to device and digital content communication. And we were, from every perspective, confident From the device perspective, iPad, it is, and all the resolutions and everything. From the technology perspective, HTML5, the early days of HTML5, every last bit of flash was beaten and uh, demolished from the uh, IT landscape of the days. So we have been confident in technology. We have been confident in devices. Then the storytelling and the domain, pharma. So we have the specialists. We were working already with companies who are working with pharma. We understood on our own. We go to doctors. We were on these visits. Every our first application, We were supervising the sales reps to the doctors to see how it went. So if it was right, not all right, where were we missing? Until we polished that to the certain of perfection, then you can open the other chapter. So then you have the stable basis of your business. You do understand it. It is a repeatable success. 
you can repeat it anytime. So you repeat it with every your client, you're very confident and you can start a new chapter. So to start your business, you need to be an expert in what you're doing. Then you are bringing value, then people trust you, then you can bring up the team, you can build team, you can teach people everything you are able to do. So speaking about the team again, how do you motivate your team? I mean, how to evoke that passion in your team to build something unique together? And what's basically your recipe for that? First of all, everyone wants to bring value. So we need to think what we are doing, a part of our job being fun and technology and everything. Are we bringing value for society, for people? I think... On one of our strategic sessions a couple of years ago, maybe six years ago, we have been deeply diving into the question of value. And we were thinking if pharma communicates to bring all of us longer lives, better quality of life, to make sure we prevent diseases. So if we bring this communication faster, better, so are we making our life better? Are we dealing with the very same question? Everyone told, yes, yes, this is why I am doing this job. This is why I'm going to work. This is why I want to work in this event. Because we are making life better in the end of the day. Because we are working with pharma. We are working with life sciences, with medical devices. It is all about patients, about us. And we are bringing this communication up we are bringing the finalized, approved communication, not some, you know, charlatans, blah, blah, blah on the website. We are really like bringing some important pieces of information into life and doing that fast, efficient, so people can find it, so people can trust that. So that's why like this value was bringing a lot of sense into um, everyone of our team so they they were thinking uh, the same like this is how i can argument what we are doing right why we are there why we are working long hours so why it was the question why then of course it is about i think about the team itself about the teaming component i think covid was beaten every team severely enough so now we have war and other geolocation crises. So when we're still online more than we are offline together. So to keep us together, the component of teaming must be so much strengthened in HR, in leading a team, board team, so that they bring so many initiatives to make sure that like, people are feeling comfortable and feel like belonging to a team. And it is not just through project management tool or somehow time tracking tool, no. There must be sessions for the team, some insight session, sharing common experiences even online so where we can feel that we are we are still one team and we want to be so we want to be this one team this is the important component as well what is your approach to hiring hiring people and you know finding new talent <laughs> i think uh, it is i really trust uh, my management team a lot because uh, this is also a part of uh, teaming because the people who will be working with the other people they know the best so whom they will be another thing 
This is the company culture. So I offer here from the hiring manager where something come up about some hiring, about some role. And like that was a perfect candidate, so much knowledge, but he wasn't our culture. And I do understand that we are lucky enough that we have most of the people working in Vizevan, they are Vizevan culture. Sometimes now we are we are challenging. What is the Zevan culture means? So like what what is it? So is it flexibility? Is it agility? Is it um, I don't know relentless? What is it? So what what the Zevan culture means? So for anyone, so there's probably all of those things. But maybe even something more, because people who are recruiting other people, hiring them, they are already more than a couple of years in Vizevan, and they have this culture not even written. They have it written, of course, but they have also inside them, well, values are not matching. Well, it will be difficult for him to adopt to our culture. So, And that's why... This is very important. So the main principle to be in Vizavan, to be right values, the person of the, of the right values and the right culture. We talked earlier about the biggest success. Now, we know that with every single success, there has to come a number of failures. It's, there's no success without a failure. So what's your biggest failure? Only one. Oh, you can just give one example. <laughs> I think like if someone experiences these successes every day, so with the people who trust the failures come as well that, that frequently. The, uh, Jeff Bezos is told us so like failure fast and go further. So that's that's how we want we need to, to, to go. So but the biggest one so from, from the professional perspective, I think I would really enjoy to be in some position like a couple of years ago, be less senior than CEO, but more focused on the right expansion, sales strategy, culture. So to make sure like I can make the bigger impact. Instead, I was always so much occupied with the other goals as well. So we have persisting revenue targets. We have uh, uh, budgeting plans. We have a lot of strategical goals which are outside only this expansion, sales, culture thing. So that I really think like now it's too late. So we have a lot of experienced people on board and they know what they do. And I absolutely trust my team. And that's like what I need. Like if it's, you know, like Vizavon is a baby and I don't know if I will have my next one, but how the mummies are speaking about their babies to say my next one, I will spend more time on this, this and this. <laughs> But I can't say this, that my next one, <laughs> it's a little bit too late. I guess it's already in some nearly adult position. So it's a little bit too late to say in with my next one. But if I have my time back, so I would for a couple of years, two, three years, step down as a CEO and take more time and more attention to this global expansion, to the building culture across the countries, to building these such things. 
However, everything turned out good and we are growing, we are going forward. So that's kind of things I'm thinking about. Now, when we started the conversation, we were talking about the company and I want to circle back to that. When we spoke the first time, which was about a year ago, this was literally almost one year after the Russian full-scale invasion of, of Ukraine. And of course, V7 is originally a company based in Ukraine. And I know that you had to move to other places. But at the same time, V7 actually experienced massive increase in the number of employees. I remember it was if I'm not mistaken, from 500 to close to a thousand, I think. 700 and will yep. be nearly 800 this year, according to our budgeting. Yes. So what I want to talk to you about is disruption. And I have to say that with, you know, with V7, you are clearly ready for any type of disruption after the growth that you experienced uh, over the last two years since the full-scale invasion. But I want to ask you about the mindset because we live in the in the times of constant change. Every single day there's something that is disrupting our activities, our lives. What is the mindset of someone who is ready for change, who is ready for disruption? How would you describe that? What kind of qualities do these people have to have? I think, uh, first of all, it's a great question. We shouldn't be scared to experiment. If there is a chance for the company to be disrupted, and there's a fair chance for most of companies in the next 10 years, from 5 to 10 years, so to experimentation, be ready to experiment to figure out what would be your next baby. So it's the most important thing. I know many companies who were so comfortable within like smaller size of the team with their conservative, well-established domain. And it was rather difficult and it is rather difficult for them to go through disruption. If they would have at some point of the time when they were growing, were thinking about the culture of experimentation because it is not one-time act. So as in Visever, we are experimenting all the time. So if you can see the roadmap of our product, we just lock it for three months. We do have plan for a year at least, but we lock it for three months. It means the next, you know, months, they are certain, but there might be changes. So we are bringing many new concepts. Like this year, we brought content strategy consulting to life. We are redoing the storytelling in new format with artificial intelligence. So it's all experimentation. Because even you are very good at what you are doing, you will try several concepts you will hire the best people in the market and you will really give them power to try to fail and try again and succeed. And then you are not really scared to be disrupted because you always have some, you know, solid business in the end of the day to lean upon. Because if you are not experiment, you, you will be out of the game very soon. And if we look at the at history, we've had some big global players who are no longer on the market because they weren't 
ready for, for that disruption. So if you look at the next few years, perhaps a decade, where do you see your company in um, 2034? I cannot say what size of the company it would be. I cannot. What would be the structure? It's too blurry to say right now. What would be the structure of companies of the future and what would be the normal size of average company who are working in IT? I definitely know that we will be more, I would say, focused on the capabilities which are less uh, connected to the IT coding, engineering thing. Because the tools which we are developing right now, they will do all the routine tasks, all the repeatable jobs instead of human. And I think we need to be prepared as human to grow intellectually and to make sure like everything what we have among our soft skills, among our, um, I don't know, emotion, empathy, we need to bring them up. And to make sure, like, supported by knowledge, the soft skills will develop such high so that we will be able to drive the new technology. And especially as we are working with content, I think the uh, conversational, the creative element, the deep scientific element will prevail in communication standards more than just... Because today, you see, like, we were in paper age, like stone age. We, we now in the digital age, so we are more coding. We are making everything digital. Then we will need to be heard. So, like, make sure that we noticed and we can make some statement. Because if we are working with the one of the most uh, scientific and uh, important spheres, which is uh, life sciences and pharmaceuticals. So we need to make sure like people will pay attention to those messages. And for these, you can understand, like, if you will use only the machine, so every message would be very recognizable as a machine-generated message and image. It is not right now, but it will be in the next couple of years. So, and to be heard and to be seen, you will need to have something special. And this something special, it's not about technology. It will be not about technology anymore because everyone will be able to have their own AI model. Every technology will be there. The only thing will be like how, how you are doing that. How? So what are your special skills as a company? And maybe companies will be not as 700, 800 people. They will be quite less but they will be more intellectually mature and they will be more, you know, like among like strategic consulting, saying how to do the things and run those technologies. So like something like that. Natalia, thank you so much for this conversation. It was a real pleasure to speak to you and uh, best of luck with the company. I'm really happy to see it grow constantly. Andrew, I hope you will invite me in a couple of years and we will see if everything we discussed here will come true.